Alrighty, church, if you have your Bibles, let's open those up to Mark chapter 4. While you're on your way there, I thought I would share a story from uh, my high school days. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yes, yes, you do. Yes, you do. All right, so when I was in high school, some of my friends and I were really big into watching professional wrestling. Anybody in here either watch professional wrestling or have watched professional wrestling? Anybody? All right, we got a few. Got a few. Is that current or is that past? Past. Past? Everybody in the past? All right, so n nobody's continuing to watch professional wrestling. Uh, but a group of us on a regular basis would get together and we would watch a show called Monday Night Raw. I don't know if you guys remember that. Um, one week, several of us were invited uh, to go over to a friend's house to watch this, but it was out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, dirt road to get there, going by starlight at this point. I mean, there were, uh, this is gonna surprise some of you, there were no cell phones at this time. <laughs> There was no GPS. Maybe a few people might have the big boxy GPS that they would put in their car, but there was no phone, no GPS. And so, and she lived out in a place where written directions were absolutely useless. It's like, take a left at the maple tree that looks like a butternut, butternut squash. Like that's the only kind of landmarks that you had where she lived, right? Uh, take a right there that, that one time that the cow broke through the fence. Like that's all we had for directions. And so because of where she lived, our group, we had to meet at a nearby gas station. And then we car, like, car followed, trained it all the way to where she lived. Um, but this was on a twisty uh, gravel road and it was nighttime and I was close to the back of the pack. So literally the only thing that I could see on this entire drive is dust and taillights. That was it. I had no idea where we were going. I had no idea uh, how to get there or how to get home. And so we watched the show and afterwards I left a little bit early because I was a good son and I had a curfew. And so I left a little early to make it home for that curfew, left a little bit earlier than everyone else and had nothing other than verbal directions on how to get back to the main road. And now this is, there was a lot of branches, a lot of turns, a lot of turnoffs out here. So um, all, all I had was these verbal directions. And if you know me, and I've, I've said this before and I've, I'll say it again, I don't do verbal directions well. I need to see it to comprehend it. So if you say something to me and I don't write that down, it did not happen. And so she's like, you go out here, you take a left, you take the turn, you know, at that maple tree that looks like a butternut squash and all that kind of stuff. And um, I had no idea where I was going. I, I think I made it to the first turn uh, and I, I think I did that one correctly. And then after that turn, nothing. So I'm sitting here trying to figure out, did we turn here? Did it go there? What did she say? Uh, and eventually I took a wrong turn and I went to the end of a dead end road. And when I got there, there was this terrifying old rundown house that had no lights on. It was backed up into the woods. And the only light that was there was one of those little flickering like horror movie street lights. 
That was it. And it was one of the most odd feelings I've ever experienced. I was hit with overwhelming fear. Like, there was no reason for it. It didn't make any sense at all. It was just an old house at the end of a road. But all of a sudden, I got smashed with irrational fear. And I was so afraid and so irrational that I literally did a burnout in the gravel on the road, and I punched it. I don't know why, but I was doing probably 60 miles an hour down this curvy, twisty gravel road, um, I was driving fearfully, I was driving recklessly, uh, and something was bound to happen that was going to be incredibly bad if I continued going this route. I was going to hit a ditch, I was going to hit a, a, a cow, I was going to hit a tree, I was going to hit something. Like There was no way that this was going to end well. And so I'm barreling down this road, and suddenly I felt the presence of God with me in that truck. It was one of the most tangible experiences of God that I've ever had. I mean, even to this day, I don't know that I've ever felt, and I'm, I don't use the word feel. Your feelings are, are suspect at all times. So I don't use the word feel much, but I felt the presence of God with me in that truck, right? I don't often feel his presence. I know he's there always consistently, always, um, but I don't often feel it. Uh, I, I know he's listening to me, and I know he speaks to me primarily through his word, but I don't often hear from him. Um, there have been a few times, um, but I remember so clearly that feeling of his presence that I looked into the passenger seat. I mean, it was unreal. I was so shaken by this whole time. I finally did find my way back to the main road, by the way. It took a minute, but I got there. Uh, but I was so shaken and so moved by this experience that when I got home, I immediately told my mom about this whole thing. She was asleep, so I didn't really even have to get home that fast now that I think about it, right? She would never have known if I missed curfew or not. Um, but I was, so, I was so shaken by that and so awed by the tangible presence of God that I felt that I felt I had to I had to share it I had to let her know um, and thinking about how that felt is one of the reasons why I long for heaven the way that I do it's one of the reasons why I get so moved by the idea of being face to face with the Lord because I, I experienced part of that in some way right that night I I got a taste of what heaven would be like. I received a taste of what the peace of God, that when we read through the scriptures, we hear talk about peace. He's going to bring us peace. I got a little taste of what that peace would feel like. I received a taste of what it would be like to be in the presence of God. His presence and His power removed my fear in that moment. It protected me from almost certain disaster. Like that was not going to end well. And I was so overwhelmed by everything that happened that night that I had to share it. And I love telling that story. And when I think about the peace of God, like when, when I'm reading about it, when it comes up often, that is what comes to my mind because it was such a real experience. 
And so regularly at Advent time, I think about this. I think about this story because when we're talking about peace, this is what pops in my head. And this year, as I was remembering that story, the Lord also brought to mind an incident uh, that occurred in the Gospels where Christ's presence and His power immediately brought peace to a potentially deadly storm. You guys, I'm sure if you've read through the Gospels, you know this, this story. Uh, but His presence and His power brings that storm to a dead stop and it fundamentally changes the way that the disciples looked at Jesus. Now, we find that story in, in all the synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but I want to read it from Mark's Gospel this morning. And so in Mark chapter 4, we're going to read verses 35 to 41 together. It says, On that day when evening had come, he said to them, Let's go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took, with him, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with them. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke, and he rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? So if you, if you read the earlier verses in chapter 4, you see that Jesus has been teaching crowds. And those crowds he's been teaching, he's been teaching in parables. So if you come to our Sunday night service, you might hear some of these parables and learn a whole lot. Selfless plug, don't care. Love to have you there that, tonight. And so Jesus is teaching these people, and suddenly he's done, and he wants to go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee to engage in ministry there. And so his disciples set sail with him, and he's tired from all of his teaching. He's tired from all of the work that he's done, and so he falls asleep in the stern of the boat. And while he's sleeping, there's this great windstorm that comes up. It's so severe that the waves are actually breaking into the boat. And it says, and Mark tells us that the boat was filling with water and the disciples are freaking out. Now, this must have been a massive storm because many of these disciples were fishermen. They would go out on the sea all the time. And so for them to be this scared of this storm it must have been significant because the sea of galilee was known for its terrible storms they got a weather two weather patterns that would come in and they would swirl around right over that sea and it would be really really <coughs> bad but this should have been a fairly regular occurrence for them to see these storms now they may have been smart enough not to go out in them uh, but here they are they find themselves there and they're fearing for their lives and they wake Jesus up and they cry out, do you not care that we are perishing? <laughs> I love the fact that he is passed out cold with all of this commotion. You, you're, I'm sure they're screaming and yelling and the wind must be going crazy. And he's just sacked out in the stern of the boat. Now, we can tell from this story that the way the disciples respond when they saw Jesus' power, Jesus arises, he looks to the wind and the waves, and he speaks to them. He says, be still, peace, be still. 
and it just stopped. It didn't taper off. It didn't slowly wind down. It stopped. It moved from a raging storm that was going to consume their lives to a dead calm. And we see that they didn't quite expect the situation to go down in that way, right? In their minds, they're probably just thinking, hey, Jesus, we would rather you not drown in your sleep. We'd rather you know what's happening as you go down with this boat, right? Or maybe they're hoping for some amazing sailing insights from their rabbi. Maybe he's an expert sailor and we don't know and he can help us get out of this storm. We don't know why, but from what we see from them, we see that they certainly didn't expect Jesus to get up, speak to the wind and the waves, and they, didn't, they especially didn't expect the wind and the waves to listen. Right? As soon as Jesus commanded the wind and the waves to settle down, they did so immediately. And then there was a new kind of fear in the disciples. But why? Why were they afraid? Right? They had seen the power of Jesus before. Right? They have, if you read the earlier parts of the Gospels, they've seen Jesus heal people. Right? They've seen unclean spirits get cast out simply by Him speaking to them. So what is it about this that seems so special? What is it about this that seems so powerful? Well, in, in this moment, we're seeing that not only... We've, they've seen other people heal people. I mean, if you read through the Old Testament, you see people have power, right? When Moses would go up against the, the magicians of the Pharaoh, they, they could do some of the things that Moses was able to do. Right? So there is power out there. They've seen people heal. They've seen supposedly unclean spirits removed from others, but no one has ever had the power over the weather. Right? This is completely new to them and then suddenly this rabbi that they thought they knew this rabbi that they thought they understood is ends up breaking all of those expectations he winds up being extremely more powerful than they had ever thought or imagined and we see power here we see the power of god all he has to do is speak to creation and creation must listen right we see that his presence there was tangible and it was real and because he was in that boat and because he spoke to the wind and the waves they had to listen right and we also see promises of God here he said hey we're going to the other side and he said that's where we're going that's one of the reasons why he's asking why do you have no faith I told you we were going to the other side what are you so afraid of do you still have so little faith didn't I say we were going over there? We're going over there. And it's just a reminder here that when God promises that He's going to do something, He is going to do it. That's what we're leaning into in this Advent season, this promise of God, the coming of the Christ. It gives us hope and it can give us peace because we know that all of those 300 some odd prophecies about the Messiah are going to come true. And they did come true. And so knowing that that is the case, then we can lean into those promises that will bring us peace because we know that He's coming back. We know that the promises that He's going to return, that when He returns, there will be peace beyond all understanding for all of the people of God. We're going to see the, the promises of Revelation 21 come true. 
There'll be no more sin. There'll be no more mourning. There'll be no more struggle and strife and hardship. There'll be no more death. Like all of these promises are true. And so when we begin to feel the fear that inevitably creeps into our lives, we can have peace. We get to see that throughout all of the Gospels. Jesus is constantly bringing peace to different sin-broken situations. Right? He brings physical peace in many, in many instances. Right? The, the one that came to my mind when I was thinking about this was the paralytic that was lowered down through the roof of someone's house by his four friends. Right? They couldn't get to Jesus because he was teaching and so they came up with this idea to rip the roof off of a home and lower that man down on his mat. And it says that Jesus, seeing the faith of his friends, he told that man to get up and walk. And he did. We see that his power has the ability to take away physical infirmity. His power has the ability to heal leprosy. It has the ability to heal paralysis. It has the ability to bring people back from the dead. We see that in His power. We can have peace because we know that He is powerful. We also see that He brings emotional peace. And when I was thinking about this, I thought about the woman at the well. Jesus made a special trip to Samaria in order to have a divine encounter with this woman who was at the well at a time when she shouldn't have been at the well. The reason for that is because she was thought poorly of by the rest of the people in her village. You see, Jesus knows in her heart that she had been married five times and the man that she was currently living with was not her husband. And so she was trading sexual favors for a place to live. And because of that, and because she was thought so poorly of in her community that she would not go to the well when other people would go to the well. Typically, they would use that as an experience for community, right? The ladies would go to the well together and they would talk and they would gossip and they would enjoy one another's presence and then they would go home. But unfortunately, this woman was one of the people that they would gossip about. This is one of the people that they would speak poorly of. And so she's going to the well at a different time to get her water, and she happens to run into Jesus there. And Jesus says, I know all about you. I know your past, I know your present, and I know your future. And he says, if you will put your trust, your hope, your faith in me, salvation is offered to you. And that woman went away changed. She went away and told everybody in her village about meeting the Messiah. She no longer cared about what people thought of her because she had met the Messiah. The Messiah had said there is forgiveness for sin. There is change that can happen. And so we see that in Christ, we can have a new identity. We don't have to be afraid of our past. We don't have to be afraid of the future because we know that change is possible. We also see that Jesus brings spiritual peace. Right? He brings bondage. He brings uh, freedom from spiritual bondage. There are story after story of people coming to, to Jesus with their children that has been uh, possessed by demons. We see Jesus walk through a graveyard and uh, the demoniac comes out, a man that would terrify all those that would come around him, a man that could not be bound by chains because he, was, he would break them. 
And Jesus speaks to the man and the demons respond. And he's set free. Right? There's the one where the little, the little boy was paralyzed or uh, possessed. And he kept, like the demon kept throwing him in the fire to try to kill him. And Jesus speaks to the demon and the demon is removed. The demons bow down to him and they, they ask, Lord, is this, Jesus, is this the time? That, are you going to deal with us before the time that has been set apart for that? There was no reason to be afraid of this spiritual power of the, the devil and the evil one because Jesus had the power to set people free. There was peace, spiritual peace. And lastly, there's peace with God. Jesus brings peace with God. All right, because of our sin, we are at odds with our Creator. We are in rebellion. We are children of wrath, Ephesians 2 says. But Jesus came to live a life that we couldn't live, a perfect life, a life with no sin, with no rebellion. And He goes to the cross to die a death that we deserve. And God the Father pours out His wrath on the Son so that we might have His righteousness. He took our sin on Himself and gives us His righteousness. And then when you look at the crucifixion process, there is a thief on the cross that speaks out against the condemnation that is being poured out by the other thief on the cross. And he says, we deserve to be here, but he is innocent. And he says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus responded to that person. He said, today you will be with me in paradise. So the consequences of our sin have been paid for in Christ. And so we can find peace from physical ailments. We can find peace from emotional turmoil. We can find spiritual peace as we do battle with the evil one. And we can find guaranteed peace with God if we will just repent of our sin and give everything over to Jesus as our Lord and Savior. There is great peace to be had. Much peace to be had in a time of fear. And so my question to you is what are you afraid of? What is speaking into your life in such a way that it tempts you to become distracted from the power, the presence, and the promises of God? What would you, what would you have come to mind when you think about, oh my goodness, this is going to happen. What is that for you? Is there a physical ailment that you are struggling with? Is there some emotional turmoil that you are dealing with? Right? You've got some stuff in your past. People know it and they talk. Are you dealing with any of that today? Do you feel like you're in this spiritual battle that like, maybe you're being singled out by demonic powers and that they are raging war in your life and does that bring you fear are you sitting in here today and you think you know what if i am completely honest with myself and everyone around me i don't know that i have ever given my life to christ and so i'm afraid that i'm still considered an enemy of god 
Jesus' power, His presence, and His promises have shown us that we do not have to be afraid. Right? We don't have promises that the physical uh, peace will be immediate or in this life. We don't have promises that the emotional peace will be immediate or in this life. We don't have promises that the spiritual peace will be immediate or in this life. But we do have those promises that one day God will do away with it all. And we do have the promise that we can trust that our debt is paid in full through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus if we have placed our faith in Him, if we have accepted that gift. And my question here today is, have you accepted that gift? And if not, why not? Why? What is holding you back? That is a conversation that I would love to have with you if that is something that you are interested in discussing with me. I want to know, like, if you don't want to pursue after the Lord, what is it about that idea that turns you off? But in Christ, we get to have a different kind of fear, right? We get to have the, the fear of the Lord that is the beginning of wisdom. Right? We should be somewhat afraid of God. We should be somewhat afraid because remember, we, we talked about this when we were going through Ecclesiastes, right? It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Right? So we should not take this relationship that we have through Christ lightly. We should not act as though that we are on the same level and the same page as God because we are not. And so there needs to be a certain amount of respect, a certain amount of glory that we offer up to Him. But on the other side of that, we, we are His children. We do not need to be afraid because He is a loving Father who is watching out for us, knows everything that is going on in our life, knows what is good for us and what is bad for us, and He's using all of that to make us into the image of Jesus. So think about it today, folks. What, what do you fear? What do you need to take before the throne of God and lay at the feet of Jesus and let Him deal with for you? Let's pray together. Father, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for Your power. I'm grateful for Your presence. I'm grateful for Your promises. I'm grateful for the fact that those three things very specifically remove any reason for us to be afraid of anything that goes on in this life. This sin-broken world can be hard to navigate. It can be difficult. And at times it can be a scary place. There's no denying that. Lord, I pray that when we find ourselves in these moments of in, intense fear, whether it be rational or irrational, we would lean heavily into you, that we would trust you, that we would pursue you. And Lord, you have promised us peace. It might not be peace that we completely understand at this time in our life, and it might not be something that we would sign up for immediately, Lord, but you have promised us peace, and we long for the days that Revelation 21 promise will come when we have no more sin, no more death, no more pain, and we will forever be in your presence. So help us to cling to those promises in moments when they seem hard to understand and realize and hard to believe. I ask all this in your son's precious name. Amen.